You're listening to an analysis story on the audio version of The TIE. Thanks for listening. The TIE is a nonprofit newsroom that is funded by our audience. So if you appreciate this article and you'd like to help us do more, head on over to support.thetie.ca and become a TIE builder. You choose the amount to give, and you can cancel anytime. China is in serious trouble. By Crawford Killian, November 28, 2022. Back in January 2020, I wrote my first Thai article on what was not yet named COVID-19. Near the end, I made the following observations on China's president. Xi Jinping, after years of entrenching himself as a leader for life, has shown either mouse-style determination to assert control or completely lost his nerve. He's presiding over a healthcare system far better than that which faced SARS and H1N1, but even the top experts see something in the coronavirus or the response to it, that scares them too. President Xi has far more reason to be scared now than he might have had in 2020. And so do we. Taken singly, China's problems in 2022 don't seem all that serious. Taken together, they look like a polycrisis, and the biggest challenge the Communist Party of China has seen since Tiananmen Square in 1989. We in Canada, regardless of our new Indo-Pacific strategy, could find ourselves as mere collateral damage of a Chinese collapse. The first challenge is COVID-19. The world was stunned in 2020 when she ordered a severe lockdown not only of 8 million people in Wuhan, where the virus first appeared, but of all Hubei province, population 58 million. It was drastic, but it seemed to work. As the pandemic spread around the world, Other countries tried versions of lockdown, Vietnam, New Zealand, Australia. They did very well compared to the rest of us, but eventually, the virus got through to them as well. A one-two COVID punch Now the coronavirus seems to have got through China's defenses. After two years of dynamic zero-COVID lockdowns, China saw a sharp spike last spring, largely centered on Shanghai. Then case counts dropped and stayed low until late October, when they started a climb to an even higher spike. By late November, the seven-day rolling average of COVID-19 cases was over 27,000 daily. On November 1, Beijing reported 23 COVID-19 cases, on November 27, 4,307. The cumulative total since the start of the pandemic was 1.4 million cases. In a country of 1.4 billion people, those are trivial numbers, literally one Chinese citizen in a thousand has been confirmed as having COVID-19. Even with the two spikes, Xi's zero-COVID policy looks vindicated. After all, the US reported 1.1 million cases in November alone, and a total of 99 million cases. A single spark. But lockdowns were supposed to protect people and now they're failing to do so. In Urumqi a few days ago, an apartment fire killed 10 people, the building was reportedly locked down and the residents couldn't get out. As Mao Zedong famously observed, a single spark can start a prairie fire. Protests have broken out all over China, on a scale not seen since Tiananmen in 1989. That in itself must have alarmed the party. Most previous protests have been about single-issue local problems, a crooked party boss, bad working conditions. 
But these late November protests have been about national policy, specifically, she's lockdowns. Moreover, the protesters seem to be coordinating their efforts from Urumqi in Xinjiang province to Urumqi Street in Shanghai. This puts Xi and the Chinese Communist Party brass in an impossible situation. Their policy has been a success, but at a very high price. Today's prosperous citizens of China are not as stoic as their grandparents were in the famine-ridden days of the Great Leap Forward and the horrors of the Cultural Revolution. The grandchildren expect more from life, and they see how others live. They were furious when they saw the unmasked throngs in the World Cup games in Qatar, and Chinese TV no longer shows the barefaced soccer fans. But don't be surprised if COVID-19 spikes among those fans and their families. Lockdowns have certainly hindered China's economy and Beijing has taken steps to revive it. But she is unlikely to ease restrictions. For one thing, it would look like weakness or an admission that he'd made a mistake. That could lead to more dangerous protests, even outright uprisings. Over 1.5 million deaths. Worse yet, it's almost certain that easing restrictions would lead to the explosive spread of COVID-19, just as other countries have seen. China's vaccination rates have been very good, but not with vaccines that are effective against Omicron variants. The sheer number of cases would likely trigger proliferation of still newer variants. In 2020, she could marshal healthcare workers from all over the country and send them to Wuhan in a public health blitzkrieg. Today, with cases erupting all over, local healthcare systems would be on their own, just like Canada's. David Moser, a longtime resident of China and author of a book on the Chinese language, recently tweeted a scientific model's prediction from last spring. What if China lifted the zero COVID policy? Assuming no new vaccines, over 1.5 million deaths, 15-fold strain on ICU capacity, 77% deaths among unvaccinated elderly plus 60. This is the government's quandary, past policies have now painted them into a corner. https colon slash slash t dot co slash ncmgay601c. David Moser, at David underscore underscore Moser, November 27, 2022. A COVID-19 surge would trigger still more economic damage. Violent protests by Foxconn workers in Zhengzhou have caused, among other problems, a shortage of new iPhone 14s. If Chinese industries lose their reputation for reliable production and delivery, it will be very hard to regain. Countries like India and Vietnam will be delighted to compete for business against a crippled China. Compounding China's economic problems is climate change. The country has experienced an almost unending heat wave since last summer, with November temperatures breaking seasonal records. China's farmers are struggling to cope with the consequences. Impending water wars Heat and drought have reduced water levels in the Yangtze River by half, creating still more problems for agriculture and power generation, and for Chinese manufacturing. The Yangtze's low level has resulted in saltwater getting into Shanghai's water supply. China's water security problems also mean energy security and food security problems. The government is actually planning to divert water from the headwaters of the Yangtze across the Tibetan Plateau to the Yellow River and then pump it to dry northern provinces. 
But another proposal under consideration is to divert water from the headwaters of rivers like the Mekong and Brahmaputra, taking other countries' water as global warming worsens. That would guarantee water wars between nuclear powers. She seems unlikely to change his lockdown policy, especially if he's convinced that easing restrictions will unleash COVID on a billion people in China. But he is going to need a reasonably sound economy, and Canada is going to need a sound Chinese economy as well. In the Liberals' new Indo-Pacific strategy, we're going to spend a token $2.3 billion over five years to strengthen security and economic ties with other countries. Making faces while making money We in Canada and China have been making faces at each other ever since we busted Meng Wanzhou at YVR in 2019. But China-Canada trade has actually boomed since then. According to the China Institute at the University of Alberta, Canada-China trade grew steadily over 2021. Canadian exports to China grew at the highest rate seen since 2018 and growth in Canadian imports from China was the highest it has been in over a decade. That meant $28.84 billion in Canadian exports in 2021. The China Institute also notes that our exports to China grew even through the first year of the pandemic and kept growing, citing a 23.85% leap between total Canadian exports to China in 2019 and 2021. And what was our top export? Canadian exports of bituminous coal soared in 2021, vaulting it to first place among Canadian exports to China, $3.50 billion, plus 379.18% YOY. With hydropower threatened by drought, China is making up the energy difference by burning coal. So we've effectively outsourced part of our carbon emissions to China, which returned to us in the form of Chinese imports. In 2021, those were worth $85.67 billion, roughly three times what we exported. And what did we buy from China? Laptops, cell phones, network devices, video game consoles. No charge for the atmospheric rivers, wildfires, and heat domes. She's Dilemma The China Institute report discusses the supply chain problems caused by Xi's dynamic zero-COVID policy, problems unlikely to be remedied soon. Relaxing the policy would worsen the supply chain as millions fell ill. Keeping the policy tight would result in more Foxconn-style worker revolts and street protests. Xi Jinping may also be trapped by his own words. In his book, The Governance of China, he includes a 2016 essay on how to promote a healthy China. Among other things, he says, we should enhance disease prevention, raising the public's awareness to prevent and control epidemics. We should attach importance to the prevention and control of major diseases, improving related strategies to minimize the number of patients. In the same essay, he also warns that unresolved problems will threaten public health, restrict economic growth, and undermine social harmony and stability. Given the unresolved problems she now faces, he might be tempted to distract his people by launching a war to reunify Taiwan with the mainland. Such a war would likely pull in the US, Canada, Japan, and much of Europe. But the young people now protesting in the street would, I hope, forbid such a threat to China's public health, economic growth, 
and social harmony and stability. A real uprising against Xi and the party would convulse not only China but the world. It would certainly not result in a Western-style liberal democracy eager to be everyone's friend. More likely a return to the warlord era of the 1920s, only with nuclear weapons. In that Tai article from January 2020, I also wrote, a rattled government makes mistakes, and then makes mistakes in trying to recover. Its people notice, and so do other governments. Hong Kong has seen over six months of upheaval by anti-Beijing protests, they will look like a kindergarten tantrum compared to what the mainland Chinese could unleash. I'm not fond of Xi Jinping. But odds are, if he is toppled what comes next will be chaotic and no mirror of Western democracy. It could be far worse for China and for us. Thanks for stopping by the Taiyi today. Anytime you're in the mood to listen to important stories written well, we'll be here. And if you'd like to keep independent media going strong, head over to the taiyi.ca and click on the Support Us button to pitch in. Finally, big, big thank you to all of our Taiyi builders who made this story possible.